So, this is the last <laughs> night that we are going to talk about the... This is like week number five. <laughs> oh my gosh. I This is a good marker. <laughs> okay, so let's review. What have we talked about about the Holy Spirit? <coughs> you okay, Felicia? Sorry, I've been sick a lot. That's okay. Just wanted to make sure you were okay. 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 Did you talk about that last week? No. Oh, I, just interesting. That's the first time you brought that up in the review. So why why does it matter that it's like the wind? Why would? Because you can't see the wind nor touch it. Okay. Earlier, I saw something weird. Like and the wind, it took leaves and just spun them off in a small circle and let them fall. Just in one single spot. Yep. It's like a mini tornado. Yeah, but it's only ever happened once. That's never happened before. I've seen it a handful of times. So. Yeah, but not like near my house. Like what does... Felicia brought up a good point that the wind, you can't see it. You can't... Um, if you could see the wind, that would be weird. It does. I mean, you you can't really hear it, right? What are you hearing? The trees. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like what are you really on. seeing? Because people say, you will be like, look out the window and say, wow, the wind's really bad out there. If you You'll can't see, see it, wind. how do you know? Oh, you can see everything. You can see everything. Right, you, so you can see the effects of it. So, hold on, let's focus. Let's focus. Why does that... Okay, you can finish. Oh, go ahead, Ed. Um, I think it was last week. We talked about how, unlike the wind, the spirit isn't just like a force. It has a personality. Ah, good. That's what I was trying to get to. So, but before we go there that the Holy Spirit is like that because it's a spirit. Can you see your spirit? Nope. If you could, that would be a miracle. It, I would even say it wouldn't be a spirit if you could see it. How about that? I agree. At least not in this dimension, right? Maybe there are other dimensions where you can see a spirit. I don't know. You don't know. Prove it wrong. <laughs> well, let's build a machine that takes us into all the dimensions. So, so, you can, like the wind, we can see times where the Holy Spirit is affecting things. But, Gideon brought up a good point. We talked about personality, right? Because the Holy Spirit is part of what? The Holy Trinity. Of God. Of God. Okay, so who do we have in it? And we talked, you just mentioned that he is a person, that all of these, oh, I gotta do that. 
right there, individual, sort of individual persons within one person, right? That's the mystery of the Trinity that we won't go into too much because we could do a whole series just it's on like the Trinity. Split no, it is not. Because they are each their own individual beings as and well. Yet they are all God. Yes. Take God, cut it into pieces. Nope, because he's all one. Right? So, um, with Jesus, what is the purpose? Right? Jesus is the Son. S-U-N. What is the purpose of his personality? To get to know him and be saved through him. Okay, I, salvation, that's good. Um, yes, you are right to get to know him, but you're supposed to get to know all parts. What uh why why Jesus? Why what's important about the essence of who he is? Okay, good. Human. What is that? How is that helpful if you want to get to know him? If you want to get to know God. Because you can see him in person. Okay, right, because we're physical beings, so we like we learn about things best when we can see it, we can hear it. We can touch it and feel it. We can smell it. That helps us get a better understanding of it, right? How long was it back to wind? When did they first start to understand and able to kind of predict when wind, where it was coming from, where it would go? I don't have an exact date. I would say, like, people, like, the yearly, like, Okay, that's um, good. That's like for a general, like within the year, like what it might like do. Really but what about tomorrow, if there's going to be wind or not? That's really recent, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And some people back in the old days, if they were cut in the cave, they didn't know what to do without, they go. Right, and then you can feel it on your finger because it's what helps with the senses. Yes, a cooling effect. Um, so when you can physically see it, touch it, observe it, hear it, it helps you learn better about it. But can you, did you see Jesus? No. Okay. So why does it matter then? Why human? Because other people live our experiences. Yes, he is. He had the same experience. Not exactly. Right. If you're talking about he had a more similar experience to you than a fish, right? If he wanted to come and save the fishes, fish, which he couldn't anyways because they don't have souls, but if they did, he would have become... Yeah, I don't it's know. Like if there was an entire world made out of frog creatures, he would have got a frog Jesus. Right. Yes. Correct. All right. In our crazy supposal that we have. So good. Um, <clears throat> God the Father. What about relating to him? 
Why, what's the purpose of him? I forgot something about Jesus. Okay. He's like the older brother. Okay, explain that more. Because he's like protecting us. Because he's like the older brother. That's what our last Sunday school, not Sunday school, Bible Sunday teacher said. And I think it was. Okay. Last week? Father, did you have something for that? Okay. That's okay. Yes, I will. I agree. Right. I understand why you're tripping over that phrase authoritarian because it has become a bad term right um in the recent past couple centuries but he does have let's say authority right he has power yes well let's go i want you guys to turn to isaiah which is near the middle of the bible psalms proverbs and then isaiah it's a big book you should be able to find it Chapter 6. You may be familiar with this um, with this chapter. After. to read verses 1 through 5 of chapter 6. This is, if you didn't know, this is about Isaiah. This is one of the few things in the book of Isaiah that is uh, follows like a storyline where it's something that isn't um, a vision or prophecy that this actually happened to him. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled with Above it stood a, a seraphims, the seraphims, each one had six wings, with tarin and covered his face, and with twi- twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did And one cried unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. <coughs> and his hosts of the dawn moved at the horse they had that cry, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Okay. Has anybody heard of this story before? No. No one? We sing a song about it in choir. Holy, holy, holy. No. Lord God Almighty. I don't remember that one. Yeah. It's 
Oh, you're doing it this year. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So this is who is this describing? Anyone want to take a guess? Who is this describing? Jesus. Has twine on his feet. No, the unclean lips is Isaiah. Oh. When it says I, this is Isaiah because he wrote this book. You can ignore the King Uzziah because he died. He's just telling you when he had this vision or was. Yes. The Father. And. Now, <clears throat> you, pr you might be able to make, an argument maybe that it's Jesus, but I will tell you why I don't think it is. One, because this is something where Isaiah is experiencing something, and this isn't something that, like John the Revelator, who in the book of Revelation, <laughs> He's not, he's experiencing things that are going to happen later in time. This is something that happens during, it's an experience for Isaiah. It's about Isaiah in the time that he lived. And Jesus, although he's outside of time, in our time has not died on the cross yet. So he's not sitting on a throne yet as he relates to us. And that it also does not describe him as a son of man. Whenever God's described as a son of man, that's Jesus because he became human. He had a, like a man's body. He's not described like that here. Um, and it also, um, he is, the way that he's described is that he is high and lifted up and he is not accessible. Do you remember talking about that, about God the Father? Yeah, because you have to go through Jesus. To get to you have to go through Jesus, right? That hasn't happened yet for Isaiah. So God the Father is up on a throne. I don't know what the throne looked like. And then he has seraphim, one of the few angels that are described in the Bible of what they look like. In detail, they're not always described. What are they described having? Six wings. Okay, and Seraphim. seraphim. Yep, a special type of angels. I'm not going to draw it, but you can imagine that they have six wings. So, what are they doing with the six wings? Twain. With two of them, that's what twain means. Two. So, two they are flying with. Two they are. Covering their faces. Covering his feet. Covering his face with twain, he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Yep. Two flying, two covering his feet, two covering his face. Where are the last two doing? That's six. Yep. I'm not getting I'm thinking of eight. I must be going crazy. It's alright. Yeah, I'm sure you're good. Um, so, why are they covering their eyes? Face. Well, their face, yes, but primarily so they can't see. Why? Think about Moses. You're not allowed to see God for 
Yeah, God's glory, his glory is too great. They will die. Even the angels can't see his face? Um, well, at least in this case, in this throne room, apparently that close to him, they are not allowed to. And then their only job is to say, holy, holy, holy. Forever and ever and ever. That's pretty strange. To remind, well, they say holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. They are reminding you of the glory of God. Now, what is interesting then about what Isaiah says, what does he say when he sees this? Yeah, he says, I'm not worthy, and he says, I have unclean lips. What do you know about Isaiah? The most, <laughs> like the number one thing that is used to describe Isaiah. Pastor says it all the time. Anytime he mentions Isaiah. What's the... God, God, swear? No. Not at all. What? Think of a song that you sing for choir every year and has been sung for choir every year for like 31 years. For Christmas. It's for Christmas. Yes. Do you know where that comes from? Where and where? What did Handel use? Lifted it directly to create that. I mean, use the context of what we're reading right now. He used. Nope, but he used the book of Isaiah, Isaiah forty-two, I think, and a couple other chapters. So, what does Pastor say about Handel's Messiah? He does say that. He says it's his favorite. Like, he thinks it's the, I don't remember exactly what he said, but basically like one of the greatest songs. So what do you think about Isaiah's writing and words? Delightning. Huh? It's delightful. It's more than delight. He is amazing. He is considered, not just by Pastor Eric, but by many, many, many Bible scholars, Isaiah is considered to be the best writer. As far as, yes, beautiful writing, intelligent writing. Smart. The best that a human could offer. The only other person that people might rival would be David because he has soul. Right, because he wrote the book of Psalms, or most of it. So, why would Isaiah say, my lips are unclean, if he is so great at writing? Okay, that's a good trick. If we do this, um, this is Isaiah. 
Which one should I circle? The bottom one, right? Everyone knows what that symbol is. Less than, right, math? Okay. But that works too, right? Because he's louder, bigger than Isaiah. It doesn't matter how good, if you're the best writer in the world, and that could apply to anything, you could be the best, I don't know, mechanic or painter or runner or whatever you want to find out there. It is nothing compared to God's glory. And he instantly, when he's in his presence, feels that uncleanness. Now, I know we're going a long ways to talk about this, but I want you to get this picture because it's important (coughs) relating to the Holy Spirit. Why does that matter with the Holy Spirit? You being a little worm in God's presence... Sorry, that looks kind of like a snake, but it's a worm. Why does that matter? What does the Holy Spirit want with you? He does. What's he want? Kind of been the focus of what we've talked about the Holy Spirit. What do you want with the Holy Spirit? Why do you care? Okay, we talked about being content, right? About him being a comforter to us, our advocate. How are you going to grow in your spirit? Okay, through the Holy Spirit. To learn and form a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yes. And what would hinder that? What would stop that relationship? The flesh. The flesh, very good. And what, what about the flesh? Why does it? Okay, good. I did not talk about, but I'm familiar. Go ahead. Okay, how do you permit that to happen? If the the flesh is directly opposed to the spirit. Why is it opposed to the spirit for every person ever that lived? Well, the spirit can't shine through the flesh blocks it. What keeps you from God? It's very simple. Sin. Sin. Okay. That's why Isaiah feels unworthy because he has sin, right? Everybody has sin. He feels unworthy. Jesus. You, you cannot be in the presence 
of God the Father if you have sin. That's a wall. Puts a wall. You have to have that wall taken away, which Jesus did, and you have to ask for it. But every, whenever you sin, when you let sin live within you, that, what the Bible says, grieves the Holy Spirit. Do you know the root word of grieve? Sadness. Yes, but I'm looking for the specific word. Nope, that's another variation of it. A funeral people experience. Grief, okay? If you grieve the Holy Spirit, it I makes him sad. Oh, no, I said grieve. Maybe I, did I say grief? I don't, I'm sorry if I did. Yeah. Grieve is the action of grief. So you are causing grief to the Holy Spirit. You ever hear somebody say that before? I guess it's an old, old way to say stuff. So when you sin, it causes the Holy Spirit to be sad. Puts up a wall between you and God, but even more personal with the Holy Spirit is it makes him sad. Okay. <clears throat> um, he also, when things, when you don't have sin, and the Holy Spirit is allowed to reign in your life. You rely on him to know what to do, to guide you. What things do you get? No. I mean, well, I don't want to say no directly, but crowns in heaven are more related to what you did while you were on earth. Um, yeah. I wonder what would happen if someone got like a crown that was almost as big as God's that, Well, it would be God's anyways because the Bible says that whatever crowns you get, you will throw them at Jesus' feet. Because you're giving him the glory because the only way you ever got them was because of him. <coughs> um, so... What does the Spirit help you with? You talked about this. This was your focus last week, I think. Maybe gifts. Did you talk about gifts of the Spirit? No. Okay, let's go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Um, in the New Testament, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans, and then comes Corinthians. Are we done with Isaiah? We are. 1 Corinthians 12. I still haven't opened the chapter 14 from, last, from like two weeks ago. Okay. You mean probably last week. Because he does talk about more about the gifts in chapter 14. I'm pretty sure I was out sick last week. Gotcha. Well, maybe I was in 14 last week. I don't remember. 
I had to switch notebooks, so I forgot to bring my other one, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I've had this marked for the last two weeks. So, what did you talk about with gifts last week? Spiritual gifts. Gifts of healing. Oh, wait. Oh, 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 okay. The gifts where, like, you might be, like, really good at something and you're going to share it, share your gift with the people around you. Like, 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 there's people in this church that have their gift of, like, motivation. No, you were here when you talked about this. I don't remember. Um, when, like, somebody in the church has a gift of telling people, like, the exactly right thing. Yeah. But, like, to, to make you feel better. Or, like, yeah, like, different gifts. Like, you're one person's good at telling the gospel, one person's good at, like, lifting people up. Stuff like that. Okay. Gifts. Something like motivation. Motivational people that are really good at hyping people up or something like that. Okay, encourager is yeah. what you might call that. Well, anything else to add? Those are all good. That's all good. That's what we talked about. Okay. Anything else about the gifts? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about, like the tongues and the interpreter. Like some people like take that like wildly out of okay. Touched on that, okay. And did you talk about um, like when some of these gifts, like a um, example of when they were given out? When you're born. Okay. Okay. Yes. Right. And when, what was that called? That event? No. That's Daniel. It's called Pentecost. Um, see, now, I would have looked it up if I had thought about it, but I'm not even sure what the word Pentecost means. Maybe I'll remember to look it up. No, it's okay. We don't want to do that. We don't want to take the time. But maybe next time I'll have that answer for you. Okay, so good. We are going to continue on with this because there's one gift that I don't think, pretty sure you didn't talk about because it was the last week saved for that. But in Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul, because Paul is the one who's been talking about these gifts, I think. This is where you were within these chapters. And he has something. um, Oh, we won't read that again. Sorry, I had written down to read that in case you didn't talk about it. Um, Verse 13 of chapter 13. If someone can read that. And now abide with faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Okay. So some of these gifts 
<clears throat> he and like you said, he taught. We talked about healing of tongues. Of he even mentions one where he says the gift of uh, essentially of help, just a good helper. That's what they are good at. Like very basic things. Some things that are not like they're not like I have the ability to go and heal somebody, like Peter or Paul. They're not something that's. Right. They're not something that's that we consider so miraculous. A lot of these are basic, everyday things that are needed. But then he gets to and he says, there are three gifts that are going to be needed forever. Because how long are you going to need to be able to heal people for? Are you sure? Are you sure people will always need to be healed? Well, someone's always going to be hurt. Think of longer time. When Jesus comes back, everybody will have a new body and a new... Yep. Don't need that gift anymore. That gift is gone. Not needed. Just don't need it anymore. Isn't it interesting that people don't speak and have the gift where suddenly they can speak Chinese without having ever learned it? I mean, some there are occasionally that those kinds of things will happen with missionaries still, but it's not happening here, right? Why not? Well, we don't need it in East Shelby. And and even if you needed it, you don't need it as much because how many times has the Bible been translated into other languages now? A lot. It's not something that's needed. So a lot of these are need-based things that God says, you need this, and I'm going to give you that gift to help other Christians around you. Well, Paul says that these, th listen, these three gifts are going to be needed even after this world is gone. You are forever going to need these. And that is faith, hope, and charity. Uh, faith, that makes sense, right? Hopefully, yeah, it would be, it makes sense to still need to believe in Jesus and God for eternity, right? Um, do you know what charity means? What another word for charity is? No. Now, I know why you say that, because today, when we say charity, you think of like a place that gives out money to, say, people that need wells in Africa or something. Yes. Yep. Now, charity, though, the actual word, when you look at the Old English, it means love. Did you have that there? Yes, it means love. And that's where, why, if you follow that back, that charity, like a organization that is a charitable organization, they're doing it out of love, right? They're giving these things to uh, people who are hungry or to orphans or whatever. How do you know they're actually giving them the money? Well, that's a separate thing we're assuming that they are all good right so 
Paul says the greatest of these three gifts is love. Did you ever think that love was a gift? Not really. Like a spiritual gift. Oh. It seems a little odd, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I can see it because, yeah. you know, like God, God loved us first, so we can Right. Right. Because if anybody is love, who, who is love? God is love, right? You, you hear that said often, and it's said because it's true. Um, now, this is also an interesting thing about this gift, and in fact, these three gifts. Does everybody have the gift of tongues? No. Do you, even, do you know anyone with the gift of tongues? I, I, let's just say there's nobody that I would s- say to so- someone when I was talking to him. Oh, I have this friend that has the gift of tongues. I can't think of anybody that. Oh, that's good. Do you? How about this? Do you know anybody who has the gift of healing? Like, I mean, like Peter. Healing a lame man, healing. No. No. Okay. So there are some things, gifts that not everybody has, right? Love is interesting because it is the one gift for sure. Now, faith naturally falls into that. um, That everybody has if you are saved, if you have accepted Christ as your savior. Why are you agreeing? Because you're just looking at us going on in my head. Are you are you sure? Why why do you why would you agree with me? Well I don't I don't know because not everybody can love well they can but not everybody chooses to Okay that's interesting. Yeah, now here I'm gonna tell you how I know that. I want you to go to <laughs> 1 John, this is not the Gospel of John, but 1 John, at the end of the Bible, right before Revelation. 1 John chapter 4. Make sure you get 1 John, not 2nd or 3rd. Are we going back towards the left or to the right? To the right. Almost to the end. They're very small, only a couple pages. Chapter 4, verse 16. Oh, I, I want to start with 15, actually. 16 is my focus. Yes, go ahead. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Okay, so let's pause there. If you confess or accept that Jesus is the Son of God, died for you, then God dwells in you, and you dwell in God. Does that sound like this whole... Here. You. Doesn't that sound like that whole Holy Spirit and you thing? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're linked now that you are belong to each other. Did you find it, Felicia? Uh, you said it sounds like you said First, verse 15. Uh, verse 15, but... 
chapter 4. But you can read 16. That's where we are now. And we have built and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwells in God and God in him. Okay. Does that confuse you? Sort of. Sort of. But if you think about it, if you think about it for a minute, you can figure it out, right? So it says that we already got the, that you dwell in God and God dwells in you. And then it says that God is love. Is love okay. And then if he dwells in you, then, we will be then you, him. well, then you have love, right? If he is love and he dwells in you, then you have love. So that means right there in those two verses explains to you that everybody who follows Jesus has the gift of love. It's right there in them. It's a free gift given to you. Um, So what then, now we have established that, what does the gift of love look like? Yes, but how do you, how do you, what does it look like every day? Can you see it? Well, okay, that brings us back to the wind, right? I think you know the answer to that, right? But can you see the effects of it? Okay, what would, what might an effect of love look like. Gideon. Okay, that's good. I I mean, I'm with you. This, these are the kinds of things, especially when it comes to love, is how do you tell somebody what that is? How do you tell them? You can't, it's very hard, which is why we don't write a scientific paper about love, right? People write scientific papers about like chemical reactions that people have in their brains when they say that they're feeling love. But they don't really write about what love is in a scientific paper. How do we explain what love is to somebody? There was someone that tried to scientifically explain love. Right, exactly. They try to. How do you, if you want to tell someone, you personally want to tell them that you love them, how do you do it? You don't. Well, people do it every day. I can't. You should. Oh, you should. There's like the five like, kinds of love. Oh, okay. The, the yes, love the love languages. Like you show them. Like you... Through action. Okay. How's another thing? Uh, this is like a, the classic way to tell somebody that you love them. I'm talking like now at this point a romantic like, yes, but if you want to do, really tell them beyond that, like, 
over the top, you're trying to win their heart, and you have you give them something? and you have a musical ability. Oh, sing them a song. Or how about even better, you write them a song, right? And what is a song? If you take away the music, lyrics. You have the lyrics. Oh. What is the lyrics? You put them all together. Words like a poem. A poem. Okay. okay. And a poem is telling you a story. a story, right? We use story to try to express love or try to get something across to someone, right? How many love stories are out there? that that hits you in the heart feels more than if you just there could be millions. if someone just says you know you watch a movie that's a romantic movie <coughs> that's well done and you get the idea of it much better than if you just i don't know someone gave you the quick synopsis of it right? you read the back cover that doesn't really tell you a whole lot but you watch the whole story and that gets across to you now we're not, obviously we're not talking about romantic love. I mean, we could be because, you know, lots of people out there are married. That's an important part of love in that, that relationship that God created to be. But we're, we're mostly talking about love within the church, within your, your community. <laughs> yeah, people say brotherly love. I... It, it's it's a real like there are specific words yes but there are specific um greek words for love in the bible that do mean exactly that brotherly love and it's kind of one of those christianese you know that term christianese it's like christian language that only christians use and nobody else knows what you're talking about if you go there could be there really could be and it's one of those ones where you know people throw it around but you can you can even have the love towards people that you don't even know right Gideon just talked about starting a charity for people who need what was it food or cancer charity would be or something like that. And those are people that you don't even know, but you, you feel for them, right? You want to love them. Now, how, though, do you make sure that you are putting that love out to people, that you are allowing the Spirit to give you that ability to love, to work that gift through you? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. So flip towards the left, Felicia. This is another small book, only a few pages. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Yep, keep going. Ephesians, starts with an E. It's right before Philippians there. Uh, chapter 5, verse 2, we're going to read. This is Paul again, but he's just writing to a different group of Christians. 
Uh, let's actually start with verse 1. And we'll read 1 and 2. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering in the sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Okay. So, I want you to think, focus in on that phrase, walk in love. You can't physically walk in it. No, you can't, right? It, it's trying to describe something, a metaphor. So, let's, since it's a metaphor, that usually means you need to think about it a little deeper, not just take it right at face value. But this is actually a very simple, straightforward one. Let's think about walking, okay? You probably, let's start with, it's something that you probably don't think about very much, right? You just do it. Not always, no. I remember someone literally going left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, yes. walking. Probably being silly, right? Because everyone knows how to walk. Now, could you always walk? No. The day you were born, you didn't Are get you out of the Sure. Do down. you remember when you started walking? Yeah. So how do you know you couldn't always walk? Because I have <laughs> babies that can't. I remember when I started walking. Good deductive reasoning. So you so you had to learn how to walk, right? Yeah. So me tell I was born, grabbing out of a high chair, and then I was running across the room. So you can take that. This is just a small side, but you probably need to learn how to love, too. Even if you already think you know how, there's more to learn about it, okay? If God is love, and then God is also... Is God, um, God, is is God love, finite? Do you know what finite means? God is love. Satan is hate. Yes. Is God limited? So would his love be limited? So there's probably a lot to learn, right? If it's, if it's infinite, his love. Now, back to the walking. Um, do you, when you walk, like Felicia was just talking about, do you have to think about which foot to put forward? Do you even have to really think about balancing? Mm-hmm. Not normally, right? Maybe on ice or, when or you're on, on a hill. One of those, uh, water yeah, or a balanced beam, right? But generally, you don't have to concentrate on it. Now, <coughs> this is important. Is it as automatic as breathing? No. no. Did you have to learn how to breathe? No, nobody had to learn how to breathe. That's Unless in... you were born with a uh, birth defect, in which case they had to put you on one of those uh, tubes. Yes, but you still, nobody taught you how to breathe. You, your little baby body just did it on its own because that's how God programmed it to do it. Walking is a little different in that sense because you do have control over it, right? You can stop your breathing, but only for a little bit. Eventually, even if you pass out, your body will auto-regulate and just make you start breathing again. You can't just stop your breathing. But you do have control over your walking. Now, in this verse, 
does it say, or why doesn't it say, cartwheel in love? Okay, that might be a valid point. How come it doesn't say run a marathon in love? Well, everyone can run, though, right? Yes, but they can't do an entire marathon. It's not something you could do forever and ever. Okay. Imagine a baby doing a marathon. It's not something. So if we're to relate, we're talking about adults, though, Felicia, or soon-to-be adults. Um, in that sense, because you are meant to love forever and ever, right? We already established that. But you probably, you're thinking, we'll, we'll get there, we'll get there, hold on. It's a good point. Um, it doesn't say to ski in love, right? No, if I no. They probably didn't even know what skiing, skiing was, I don't know. No, that would be fun. So... It's interesting though, why not run? Because running a race is a common metaphor Paul uses, right? We've even, we talked about youth retreats, we've talked about other times. Paul uses that metaphor for the Christian life, but not here. Why do you think he says walk? Based on all the stuff Taking we already talked about walking. Taking a time or something? No. If you need it, if I asked you to go get that chair. Which chair? Any of the chairs over there. Oh, well then I Would just you have this. thought, all right, I'm going to stand up. Now I'm going to walk over there or I'm going to do this. No, you would be focused on the chair. You would just get up. You probably would think about where you grabbed the chair and then you'd come over here and bring it. Exactly. Right? You wouldn't think about the walking part. You just do it. Or I would just think, well, yes, you might do that, but it, you could do that with any number of things. I could say, Audrey, go get the car so you can take Gideon home. We don't want you guys here anymore. And Audrey would not think about walking down there. That would be pretty She would just walk down there and she'd think, wow, Jacob's really mean. <laughs> right? Would yeah. not think about the walking at all. She would probably just say, why would you say that? It's so, so mean. So why do I point all those behavioral things out about walking in this metaphor. Nobody's ever focusing on the walking. Okay. Thinking Just about like you, should, you don't think about walking places. You want love to become a habit where you just do it. Yeah. You, you want that to be just ingrained in everything that you do. That it's a part of it. Not that I want you to not ever think about loving someone, because there are going to be times where you do the cartwheel version of love, okay? I hope you do the cartwheel version of love if and when you get married someday. That'd be good, right? You don't want to just do the walking part of the love where it's, you don't think about it. Or the running. Right? I, want you, I do want you to do the skiing in love at a communion service when you're thinking about what Jesus did for us or yeah or if you're singing right I hope that you're doing the skiing version or the marathon version of love when you're singing about Christ for Good Friday 
But the important thing here is about the walking is that it becomes so ingrained in your habits and how you act and, and in your spirit that it's a part of every aspect of your life. And I'm sure you can think of people, but I can think of, well, I'll say a handful of people that I never see them not have love in what they do. Unless they probably do. I just don't see it. Unless they but work a very they're really good job at it. And they hate it. Now, um, the how do you get to that point, though? How do you get there? Because you could start off with no love, right? There are people who are saved, who God comes into them, and they got no love. Right. It it's with a choice, and the first thing that happens is the Holy Spirit, like you guys talked about, Watchman Nee. That the Holy Spirit is going to come in and assist in softening your heart and breaking it up, and teaching you, and shaping you if you allow it to, to show you how to do things for others' sake with no personal gain. Because love, things out of love, true love, you're like a servant. It's selfless. There's no, none of yourself is in it. Um, we're running out of time, so I'm just going to flip back myself to chat, Corinthians chapter 13. It's... The famous chapter about love that Paul wrote. You've probably heard a lot of it. Good, good. And he says in the first two verses of that, is he talks about how if you had could speak with tongues of angels and you didn't have lung, that it would be like like a tinkling symbol, like a little wimpy symbol. Yes, but we don't have time for that. That's why I'm abbreviating it for you. So, and then he goes on to say that if you had the gift of prophecy or all the mysterious knowledge that God has, it would be worthless without love. So, it's important to remember that, that there are these gifts that to us, the Spirit gives us that are like, whoa, that's an amazing gift. I wish I had that gift. But it doesn't matter if they're not exercising that gift of love that everyone has. And the important thing is you all have the ability and have that greatest gift that is love. Um, and then he goes on throughout the chapter, he, the famous things that... Uh, where love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, doesn't puff itself up, it doesn't, so it's not prideful, it goes on through all those things that I'm sure you've heard. But if you boil it down, it is what Jesus said, that of the greatest commandments is to love the Lord thy God and to love your neighbor. Everyone can do the two greatest commandments because they're love. And 
It doesn't have to be a lot. Love can be that you see that somebody needs something in a moment and you do that for them. It can be as simple as somebody needs, I don't know, they call you and they need a ride. And even though you're really busy, you put your thing on the back burner for the moment to go pick them up. It could be, how about this? This is something that I'm, I can be bad at. And everyone, I think, struggles with this. How about when you're listening to someone talking to you, you're having a conversation with them, are you thinking about what you're going to say next when they're done talking, or are you actually listening to what they're saying? Most people do both. It's really hard. Try it sometime. Just listening to what they're saying and not think about what you're going to say next. It's really easy. I just did it. It, I mean, that's something, you might not think of that as love without, you know, without pausing to think about, but you're showing, they don't even know you're doing it, right? But if you're actually listening to them, that you are building a relationship of love with them where you're paying attention to them and not just focused on you. So, um, the last thing, sorry. Verse 11, I'm going to read to you. This is what Paul says towards the end after describing all those things that love is. He says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, I'd never really thought about this, about this verse and um, in this way. But if somebody says to you that some adult is acting like a child, what does that mean to you? I would just think, oh, my uncle should speak after like a brat again. Okay. That's what he does What does it usually boil down to? Irresponsible. Okay, sometimes it's irresponsible. Now, but boil down irresponsible to the next level. If you're talking about everybody else around them and how they're affecting them. Selfishness. <coughs> Children are pretty selfish, right? When you, people say that an adult is acting like a child, you said irresponsible sometimes. And if when people are irresponsible, they're not thinking about others around them a lot of times. So Paul is saying, I used to act like a child. I acted like a child, thought like a child. He said, but now I've put those things away, saying that... And that leads us down to the verse that we, just, that we started with, verse 13, that says these three things abide, hope, faith, and charity. So this is how you act if you're mature. And not just as a, you know, I'm 18 and I'm moving out mature, but a spiritually mature person is led by love and selflessness. And I said that story is one of the best ways to express that. And although it's a true story, it doesn't make it a story any less. 
the greatest story of love is Jesus. Right? He laid down his life for his friend. That's, that's the ultimate expression of love. So, we talked a lot in this series about a lot of deep things with the Spirit. It's hard stuff to grasp. You could study it, and I hope you study it for the rest of your life because that's how you'll grow in it, besides putting it to act. But if there's one thing that you get with the Holy Spirit that you can all use, and it's the greatest thing, and is that is the gift of love. If you exercise that, if that's your focus of loving Jesus and loving others, everything else will fall into place with that. Okay, thank you guys.